Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some news to get to. We've got to touch on the AP poll. We've got some senior watch list to discuss. We've got some offers that have won out in the 2023 group. Um, we'll talk about some players that it might impact in that group. And then, Joe, we're just going to touch on what we saw at practice on Saturday. Both Matt and I were at practice this past week. Got to see a lot uh, from both sides of the football uh, in that practice. There was a lot of scrimmaging, a couple skirmishes uh, that we can get into a little bit too. But overall, I think there was a lot to take from that. And right now, that's the big focus is that uh, football practice is right around the corner. So it would be fun to touch on that. And then to round out the show, we've got some audio from running back coach Gary Brown. We'll have that put in there at the end. So Similar to what we had for Media Days, we had um, some conversation with him, so it'll, I think it would be valuable for you guys to try and listen to that as well. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it was it was nice to, to see you in person for the first time in a while here due to COVID, but uh, in addition, it was nice to be back at practice, seeing some of that. I, I know I haven't been back at practice, and I don't think you had either since, since 2019 when we were able to go to quite a few. So it was good to be out there and to kind of see things, and, and I do think there was quite a lot that we could glean from it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was it was great to be back. Um, I've, it felt uh, really somewhat back to normal, finally, um, with the football team and, and football practice that way. Of course, you had media days and, and everything like that to kind of lead up to it, but to be actually out there and, and see, you know, guys hitting each other and, and practicing and, you know, the media all there, in a row, uh, it was great. So I know that was uh, it's been way too long since we've been able to do that. So I was excited for that as well. But I really think it, it helped us both get a glimpse of of what this team is looking like at least right now. And, and of course, 
some of the stuff that we'll talk about in the, in the back portion of the show is it's still early. There's still quite a bit of time, 17 days now before, um, you know, a lot of these teams are going to be playing. So there's there's a lot you can take from it, but it's also it's early in the practices for a lot of these guys. I know the, the, the consensus before, we won't get into it too much right now, but the consensus was kind of that the defense was, was well ahead of the offense. And it sounds like some um, discussion from today's practice that, that Paul Chris kind of touched on that as well. And then that's sometimes the case. So um, we'll, we'll get into all that in the back end, but it was certainly interesting. And I think, like you said, a lot to take um, from that, from that one uh, practice that we've got to see. Yes. So we got a little bit of news first. You want to jump into the AP poll. I know the Badgers came out ranked number 12 right away. Um, where did you think about that spot? You know, I think the the rankings, both the coaches and the AP poll, I think are, are fairly accurate. I was kind of surprised. I think that uh, 14, 15, 16 range is kind of where I expected them to be. So to be at 12, certainly great. I know, like we said, when we talked about the coaches poll, does it mean all that you know, much in in the long term, the grand scheme? Not really, but at the same time, you know, it's it's better to be ranked than unranked. So I, I think it's interesting that that Wisconsin was was a little bit higher in the coach or in the AP poll. I, I think that it depends really when you've got the coaches voting. There's there's certain egos involved, and you've got all that. When you got the media, you know, voting, it's there's the same thing. So you're going to get two different polls. It's always nice to compare the two, but. It's certainly good to be to be higher, and, and thankfully for Wisconsin, they've got plenty of ranked opportunities um, to, to take on some ranked opponents that way moving forward. So they'll have plenty of opportunities to move up, and, and hopefully they're taking care of business and, and skyrocketing up the polls. Yeah, it's, it's just an early benchmark to kind of a starting off point. And, and really you look at the S&P Plus with Bill Connolly, um, and, and Wisconsin's pretty high on a lot of different – um, boards here. So I think that that's indicative of a really strong team. I think we saw some aspects that really showed that when we were at on Saturday's practice, but I think it's really going to just be a matter of how do they do in those big games, in the games that, you know, are a little closer that you might just be a slight favorite. And, you know, I'm thinking of Penn State, Notre Dame, Iowa, some of those games that are really going to be what tips your season because you look at those rankings and you see those teams in there as well. And I think that's really what's going to define the season for the Badgers in the long run. Yeah, I mean, a ton of, of quality opponents high up in the rankings. So it's, it's I think in terms of schedule, you've got plenty of good tests and, and but good opportunities. Uh, there's there's a lot of times where teams that um, you know the iron sharpens iron adage that way, where you're going to have to take on and beat some of these good teams to, to get to where you want to get to. Um, so I think where Wisconsin's at with with opponents on there is, is certainly a positive and. I'm looking forward to it's it's you get to jump in right to now a, a top 25 matchup with Wisconsin at, at 12 in the AP poll and Penn State at 19. So the season is going to be starting off uh, on a big positive note at Camp Randall uh, this fall. Yeah, you got you got to hope that they can get that W. Um, the the other thing was the another big news item was the Senior Bowl watch list. Um, I think it was seven Badgers: Logan Bruss, Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson. Uh, Matt Henningsen, Bayon Hicks, Kendrick Pryor, Jack Sanborn. Um, what did you make of that list? Any guys that stand out that you think should have made it or any guys that you think, hey, you know, this looks about right? Like, what did you make of that Senior Bowl watch list? Because it is a cool opportunity for each of them, especially as they try to make waves and earn a spot in the NFL. 
You know, I think I think the seven that are on this list make a ton of sense. I mean, you look at the group, it's it's all these guys that have played a lot of football, maybe aren't right now, you know, when we're looking at you know future draft boards, maybe aren't guys that are sitting um, on anyone's big board. You know, certainly guys that I think a lot of people would have uh, circled, Jack Sanborn, Jake Ferguson, probably the two that are, are much higher on people's boards and, and have definitely some NFL interest already. Um, the rest of them, I think with a good year, could certainly put themselves into that discussion. But you talk about the Senior Bowl. This is an opportunity for a lot of these guys, if they have a strong year, to make that Senior Bowl team and then up their draft status. So I think it makes a ton of sense for um, the seven especially. I mean, I, when you talk about Sanborn and Ferguson, I think um, they'd probably be, be high draft choices if they decide to, to go no matter what. But these other guys, I think this would really benefit. So. I don't really see a, a ton of stubs or anything like that, and of course it's early with just the watch list, but um, I think this group makes a ton of sense, and, and hopefully a few of these guys can make it, because I know they always say the, the draft starts in Mobile, and, and a lot of these guys that have played in this game up their draft status and go on to, to really strong NFL careers. So uh, what did you make uh, of that senior bowl list? Do you kind of agree? Is it a, a strong group or any snubs for, uh, for you? Yeah, I mean, I think each of those guys are very deserving. Uh, I agree with you. I think you look at Ferguson, Sanborn, I think those are guys that, barring injury, barring a really you know poor display on their behalf this year, I think they're going to be draft guys. I think Logan Brust is going to be a draft guy if, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, I just think his versatility really sets him apart. But I think, I think Tyler Beach and Cesar Williams are another guys, or a, a pair of guys that I think have a shot if they put together really good seasons. I mean, I don't know what would what would make it so that someone would think that Hicks over Williams. I think they both bring something. Um, I think Williams has a little bit better height. I know Hicks is a year younger. But I do think that both of them are, are really just going to have to have a nice year to put themselves in a position to be in Mobile. But but I think that Beach and Williams are two other guys that could, could possibly, with strong years on, on film, have a chance to, to wind up there as well. But but I think it's positive to see that many names early at this point having a you know have earning that recognition right away. For sure, exciting opportunity. I'm looking forward to see what these guys can do, and and hopefully they have strong years and are able to make that team and and put themselves in a good position to get to the next level. All right, let's go ahead and talk some recruiting. It's been a little bit since we've talked to you know a lot of offers, but it's been a busy few days for Wisconsin football in the recruiting department. Um, and the 2023 group really starting to take off. One of the first offer is, of course, 2023 four-star athlete Dalton Brooks out of Shiner, Texas. Um, very strong offer list already. Arizona State, Georgia, Miami, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, among others. So going to be a tough one for Wisconsin to, uh, of course, make their way in there with a strong set of schools, but you never know. He, he's a guy that's kind of played all over, played some wide receiver, played some running back safety um, in a really uh, a quality school in Texas. So it seems like a player that if Wisconsin could land, you'd, you'd certainly love to, but seems like a competition that will be highly anticipated and, and maybe a tough one to win, but these are the offers that you have to throw out if you're if you're looking to make a splash. Yeah, I mean, this is it's, it's an offer that makes a ton of sense. They're probably a little later to the party than they – they would have hoped to be, but at the same time, you, you, you got to put the offer out there. Another offer out to Caden Feagan out of Illinois. I, I like that offer. He's an outside linebacker. He's another athlete, but um, I think that most likely it's a it's an outside linebacker offer. He's 6'3", six, six, 220, good athlete out of Illinois, and I know that Bobby April um, is already following him, so I think that that's another one 
that um, would be interesting to watch. He also plays running back, um, which is you look at 6'3", 230, that's pretty good size for a running back. <laughs> um, so I, I like those offers going out now, and I think there's going to be more as, as um, some of these kids who, who just finished up their sophomore year last year getting into camp ready to play their junior years, are, are getting ready to put some film on tape. I think there's going to be more offers coming out here for the, from the Badgers, and they'll be active. And then I, I think we – I don't think we touched on Dylan Edwards either, um, another three-star running back out of Derby High School. So he's got some strong offers as well from Arizona, Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State, uh, among some others. So really, when you look at this 2023 group, we'll get into one other offer here in a little bit with the quarterback position, but – I think right now all of these offers that we just kind of touched on were guys that Wisconsin certainly um, is wanting to make a push for when you look at Fagan and, um, and Edwards, maybe guys that are more realistic opportunities. But, again, with, with all of these, these are the ones you've got to make and you can hopefully land. So I think you like each of the players. It's still very early. You know, when we're talking 2023 recruits, they're still a ways away from making a decision. But – you can't work your way into the fold with some of these guys unless you start putting some of these offers out there. So uh, I, I think all three of them make a ton of sense, and I'm going to be interested to see how Wisconsin closes. I mean, we've we've gotten so invested with, of course, the 2022 group, and all of a sudden you're starting to talk and get to know a lot of these names in the 2023 class. So I'm, I'm excited to see how the rest of that group will, will shake out, and it's it's fun to see these offers start to really fly in that group. Yeah, and I, and I do think that there's going to be some momentum here building for the Badgers as they get ready. Uh, you, A lot of kids in that 2022 group are going to be probably making decisions, trying to get it out of the way before their games start. So I, I would anticipate that there's going to be some uh, fireworks either on, you know, in Wisconsin's favor or against them. Um, but then the big one that kind of came out of nowhere, I mean, we had Braden Dorman here on the podcast last week um, and he was talking about how he was the only offer, you know, that the Badgers have in that 2023 quarterback room. And they put out a new offer to a four-star kid out of Kansas, Avery Johnson, um, who, who's extremely talented, four, you know, high four-star kid who, who is a little bit more of a dual threat option than Dorman, who's more of a pocket passer. So what did you make of that? Like, I think that he's very talented, but I do think that that was an interesting move considering that they didn't offer him and he never can or that he didn't get the offer earlier and he didn't camp with the Badgers. Yeah, as soon as I saw the, that alert come out for the for somebody's Twitter or, or saw it on Twitter, I, that was my first thought was how is that going to affect, uh, of course, their Braden Dorman or is there something else going on that we maybe don't know about? And, um, you know, when you look at, we, we've talked so many times about the recruiting at quarterback is different than every other position because there's likely, you know, for most places you're, you're taking one guy in a class Sometimes one guy, you know, maybe sometimes you skip a class or you offer a, a guy that, you know, you like, but you're not super high on bringing in some depth that way. But this, that's not the situation here. I mean, now you're throwing out, um, you've, you've got 223 offers to, to four-star quarterbacks, you know, really talented kids, guys with, you know, huge offer lists. And, and you know, in Avery Johnson's case, you know, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida State, Georgia Tech. All sorts of, of really strong group. And, and, of course, we talked about Braden Dorman's list as well. He's got a strong group as well. So it, it makes you wonder what else, if maybe they don't feel good about the Dorman situation. But from us speaking to him um, last week, it sounded like Wisconsin was in a pretty good place. And, again, it's 2023, so there's a long ways away. And I know he mentioned um, his, his list was certainly growing, in fact, for Dorman. And, and of course, Iowa State was also in the fold that we're so – 
I think that's the interesting part right now is you're not going to get both of these guys. So to throw out a new offer to a, a four-star kid, you know, he's not going to be a guy that comes in and you're not going to take two in a class to, to have any depth when you're throwing out four-star offers. So it's certainly interesting. I don't know how much there is to read between the lines, but there's certainly something there that, that made Wisconsin feel like um, they should put that offer out. And, and it'll be a, a fascinating storyline to watch as we move forward here. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I, I kind of like like it because I do think that they feel good about where they are with Dorman. At least based off of our conversation with him, it seems like they should feel good about where they are. He seems like he's very interested in the Badgers. Um, but I do think that this is an offer that you're looking at a really talented kid who has offers from a lot of places. And if there's mutual interest, it sounds like he's already coming to campus, um, setting up an early visit. I, I think you've got to make that offer. And, and so – I'm fascinated to see if one of these two, um, if the Badgers try to leverage the fact that, mm-hmm. hey, there's one one scholarship here, and they put a little pressure on these guys because, like you mentioned, most likely they're not going to take two quarterbacks, and most likely I don't see it where there's going to be two four-star kids battling. Uh, at least it could happen, but I just, in recent Wisconsin history, that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. So I would envision that this might be kind of a power play and, and really look at, okay, this is a really talented kid. We think we've got a shot at it as well. Let's see. We're going to be very happy if we get either one of these guys. So I think that that was a, a major move by the staff, and we'll see you know, if it pays off for them in the long run. Yeah, that's, that's what it seemed to me as well. I mean, you look at it, you know, you've got, you've got to have some sort of leverage. It's crazy to think that you know, you're trying to play this, I don't want to call it a game, but essentially that's what it is. You, know, you want a kid to come to your school if that's the only offer right now. And, of course, they need to make the best decision for themselves. But Wisconsin is in a place where they want to make sure that they're in a good position as well. So maybe it's a little bit of a, of a game that way to try and, and push a decision one way or the other. But at the same time, you know, Avery Johnson looks like a kid that is, is very talented, got um, you know some strong mobility. So he would certainly be a guy that I think Wisconsin would be happy to have. And maybe that just kind of nudges one of them to, to possibly jump at that spot that way. So it, it certainly has some ripple effects, and it's going to be interesting to, to continue on and, and see how that all shakes out. All right, you want to jump all into right. what we saw? I was going to say, I think we, we it's time we can hop into some practice because I think that was the other big thing um, that we had. So we were both there Saturday morning, um, opened up with you know, general drills. It was just good to kind of see everybody working through um overall I think the consensus from every media member was there that was there was that the offense kind of had a tough day which we'll talk about um why don't we do them to start we'll, we'll kind of see if there's anything we really um touched on or, or noticed a lot the running back room the quarterback room um kind of had tough days I know in the scrimmages as we mentioned um you know there there was a couple interceptions by both Mertz and Wolf so not their best day Again, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to the defense as well. You know, it's a really good defense, and going against them every day is, is certainly something. But um, what did you see from the offense that um, that you really took from practice on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, in in not only seeing practice, but then also hearing from the coaches, including Paul Chris today in his press conference, it sounds like, at least for me, when I was watching it, you feel like you know who they've got at running back now, and at least who's going to be in the rotation. Um, you've got you're gonna have Jalen Berger. He he was getting the the bulk of the mm-hmm. the the time to start. Every time they went out there to start with with team drills with the first team, he was the guy. And then Ches Malusi also worked in. So I think that's your one two. Um, we we saw a decent amount, 
within the with the twos with Isaac Arendo, which I think is interesting. His speed. Um, Gary Brown after practice talked a lot about how maybe they got to figure out ways to get the ball in his hands and and help him carve out a role. And then Braylon Allen. So in and that was he was a guy that Gary Brown specifically talked about as um, we want to see what we have in this kid and that they want him to play. You look at Braylon Allen, he, he's going to play this year. Um, at, we, we kind of saw him uh, in special teams as he was an up man in the kickoff return, which was fascinating. That kickoff return in general was fascinating because Hunter Wohler was out, also out there with that first group. So I think both of those freshmen are going to play. But Braylon Allen, I think, in hearing Gary Brown afterwards, made it seem like that Allen's going to be on the field, is going to get some opportunities, and I just think it's going to be – a little bit of time, like he's they're going to start him off slow, but that he's going to be a player that could get some carries later on as the year goes on, because he 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 is definitely talented, and you can even see that in the the little amount of um, team reps that he got. At least at least I could. Did you see that kind of too? Yeah, yeah. I thought he I thought he looked good in in you know the limited amounts that we saw from him. I know there when there were when there was reps, it was very clearly that. Um, that Berger was taking the ones and Belusi was working in with the ones and then Garendo and but so it wasn't a ton but I, I think when he looked even in the drills too I mean he looked he, you can tell he knows what he's doing in terms of, of just running hard and lowering your pads it's just more so going to be him catching up to speed of, of the entire offense and everything like that because not only is he picking up a new offense um, in his early in his in his college career but also he's he's kind of not new to the position but this is the first time he's really put his sole focus in there. So I think for where he's at right now, um, I would say he's in a really good spot and, and really working towards more. I, I totally agree. Um, but but I think for me the biggest takeaway was the offensive line because I think that dictated so much of what we were seeing. Um, mm-hmm. And really I would say that part of the reason that I think what was happening was injuries. But also I, I'm really impressed by that defense that I know we're going to talk about. But – but the injuries along the offensive line really shook things up. You, you, when we got there, we, we noticed that, hey, Tower Beach was a no-go. Um, and, and then Logan Bruss was also a no-go. Beach is, is working his way back. He at least had his helmet on, um, jersey on. Looked like he was doing a little bit here on the side um, before he's back. But, but I thought Logan Brown looked pretty solid. Um, I thought it was fascinating to see Joe Titman at center. Um, and – Rudolph, after practice, mentioned that that was something that Tipman had earned, um, and Caden Lyles got all the reps with the second team, so it wasn't something to where um, Lyles was out or injured. It was straight up. They thought Tipman deserved reps with the ones, and I thought he looked pretty good um, mm-hmm. throughout it. Um, you know, it's it's hard when you can't see, you know, exact plays in their cut-ups and, and watch through it and hand placement and whatnot, but I thought – you know, in terms of what he was doing, he seemed to look good. And I thought Jack Nelson, I mean, you mentioned that there was some scuffles. Uh, Jack Nelson was involved in, I think, two of the three scuffles. Um, and uh, so that was fun to see. But, but yeah, the injuries are really, really kind of dicey right now. And hopefully they can get those guys back healthy. Yeah, you, you touched on the two. And then, of course, Logan Brown, um, you know, got banged up at the end of practice with a head injury is what they reported. Tanner Bordellini with a leg injury as well. Um, so those are the two guys, when you when we got to practice, those are the two guys running at both the tackle positions. So 
certainly hope that both of them can get back uh, to, to healthy and it's nothing too much. Uh, and then, of course, Bruston Beach, you, you, you certainly want those guys to be healthy, and it sounds like they're both working their way back. But this, the, the offensive line is going to be interesting. I mean, there's, there's always injuries. Guys get banged up, and, and hopefully nothing is, is too serious. And they've got a good amount of depth there with, with some of the recruiting the last couple of years. But you don't necessarily want to be – you know, I think Joe Rudolph feels good about the guys that he's got behind, but I, I think he'd feel much more comfortable um, if he didn't have to throw some of these guys out there before he felt they were ready. So it's it's going to be a fascinating group to keep paying attention to and, and keep an eye on you know Twitter and, and anything like that when you hear about these injuries and which guys are working back because um, right now it's a, it's a little bit of uh, of shuffle with with guys in and out uh, of the practice lineup. And again, it's better than there's still plenty of time for them to to get back, but you wanna you wanna certainly get in as many reps as you can, and right now it seems like uh, uh, the group as a whole is is kind of moving around and, and just getting the reps where they can, and we'll see how that impacts them as they move forward. Yeah, and and really Rudolph cross trains these guys, tries to pounce them around a lot, anyways at this point usually, um, but but I think it's going to be interesting. How healthy are they come a week or two from now when you're mm-hmm. really trying to establish that continuity when you're getting you're prepping for Penn State, et cetera. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting that they, when you look at those, the five that they had out there with, without Beach and without um, uh, Bruss, is they went Brown at left tackle, Seltzner at left guard, Tittman at center, Nelson right guard, Borderlini at right tackle. And I thought it was interesting that Nelson stayed at right guard instead of bouncing out to right tackle because he was your second, he was your backup right tackle all year last year. Um, and and for them to stick with him at right guard, I think tells at least was an indication to me that hey, they're probably trying to make sure that he continues to work at right guard, really just firms up that position because that's where they want him at, and that they feel comfortable that Bruss and or Beach will be back relatively soon because. Mm-hmm. Um, in all honesty, if if he wasn't, I think they'd pop him out to right guard and have put Bordellini at right or uh, Jack Nelson out to right tackle and put Bordellini at right guard. Um, and, and Bordellini's injury did not look good. Like that was, um, you know, I don't want to speculate as to what happened, but it, it didn't look great, uh, at least at least in my eyes. So um, I'll, um, I think it'll be interesting to see when he comes back. But the other guy that kind of stood out was Riley Mullman. Uh, True, true freshman came early in the spring, and he was out there working with the first team once Logan Brown went down. Um, Joe Rudolph had positive things to say about him after practice as well. About he was a guy that he, he that he thinks has earned that opportunity, um, and it sounds like Malman was was with the first team today um, due to injuries. So I think I think it's this is going to be an interesting group. It's great for Malman for development, but I do think that right now. If, if I had a question mark, and I know a lot of people, we're going to talk about quarterback here in a little bit, I'm sure. But but if I had a question mark, is that it's the health of the offensive line right now because that group needs to get back to health, especially when your top two linemen are, are both hurt. I love that Joe Tittman's in there because one of our questions was, could he shake up the depth chart? And right now it seems like he is. Um, I thought it would have been at left guard, but he, he's doing it at center. Um, and I, I do think that Cormac Sampson could still – fight for that left guard spot with Selsner as well. Yeah, that, that was a, a fascinating portion of the practice for, for sure. So to round out the offense here, we'll talk a little bit of quarterback, wide receiver. Um, 
Overall, uh, I think the, the wideout room, there was one guy I think that really stood out to me. Chimray DK looked um, looked really good, but uh, like you well, like we mentioned with the, the offensive line, there, there wasn't a ton of positive plays for the offense. There was a lot of check downs, so the few plays that did look good, it, w- it was Chimray DK in there. I thought uh, Mertz and Kendrick Pryor looked like they were, were de- definitely developing towards a, a good connection. You know, the, With Pryor being banged up a, a lot last year, um, him and Burt's working together well is pretty good. I, I thought Marcus Allen looked good in the, in the really small amounts we saw of him in um, uh, just in some drills and stuff. I thought he looked pretty solid to maybe where he'll come on later in the year. But um, wide receiver, that was really the, the big takeaways for me. And then the quarterback room um, wasn't a sharp day. There was um, some, some bad throws that were, were intercepted um, for both Mertz and Wolf. I know there were some tweets um, from other media members saying that maybe this was, uh, you know, Mertz and, and Wolf were a little bit closer than a lot of people say. Um, from what we saw on Saturday, I don't think either of them looked really that sharp. I know uh, the, the concern for me with Chase Wolf was always the arm strength. Sometimes there's just balls that seem like they're floating there. They get there. It rocks. Yeah, it, it gets there, but you can definitely see the, to me, the, the, that's the difference between the two is Mertz definitely has the arm strength advantage and, and you know, Mertz just, um, has a little bit more zip on the ball. So that's that's really the takeaways. Neither of them looked great. There was a couple picks uh, from both of them, so not their sharpest day. And, and overall, again, it's a good defense they're going against. Maybe we've overhyped Graham Mertz a little bit, but it was just one practice, and maybe we need to just uh, to relax a little bit. But what did you make of, of the quarterback and wide receiver room? I uh... – I thought that they looked really good when it was on air and you didn't have a pass rush. I thought mm-hmm. that they looked decent then. When there was a pass rush, it was over. Like, Graham, Graham Mertz was sacked probably half the time uh, be, because there just wasn't time. Um, and the, I think that rushed a little bit of the cadence there uh, and, and led to some of the interceptions. But, yeah, overall, I just didn't think that the quarterbacks looked, you know, anything special outside of that 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 deep throw between mm-hmm. Mertz and Pryor. There wasn't a lot of highlight reel plays. Um, I did like what I saw from Chimray DK. I think he looked more comfortable. Um, and really, you know, I mentioned it to you. I, that kid just glides when he runs. Mm-hmm. He's a strider. And, and he did a lot of his damage on crossers, mid to intermediate crossers. And then he would just, you know, end up taking it 25 yards. And, and there was a few of those, um, both between – Mertz as well as Wolf, but really just there wasn't enough consistency um, at in the passing game. And, and like I mentioned, you, I thought the defense played a big role in that. I, I Who knows how the offense just after a while you get used to the plays. At least I could I remember that back when you were playing. You were like, oh yeah, that guy's gonna run run you know run a slant here. Um, but but then uh, it, it doesn't change the fact that I still would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of that group. Um, especially uh, in the passing game, just to, to see a little bit. Um, but I, but I, I, like you mentioned, I liked Marcus Allen. He had a couple catches away from his body that were contested that I like to see. But, but yeah, I just overall, I, th- I think they're going to be fine, especially because they're playing against this defense. But for me, the bigger worry is the line right now because I think if they can take care of that, I think the running game, I think the passing game will take care of itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these all work hand in hand, and certainly that uh, you know that makes a big difference. There was a lot of pressure. There was a couple times where um, a couple guys just got by completely unblocked and, and, and straight there, where it would have been a sack um, and probably a play that gets blown up that way. So you 
there's only so much you can take from each position, but they're very much cohesive units that will will need each other to have success. So, well, we've talked a lot about the offense and the struggles there, but part of that was the defense looked pretty sharp. And, of course, you, t- you hear in football a lot of times that the defense is just read and react, so they get ahead a little bit. But I think overall the defense, we expect them to be good, and, and they looked really good. And a lot guys from all over the place were making plays. It wasn't just – you know, one safety. You know, it wasn't just the safety room. Although, though, I think the two that really stood out were um, Scott Nelson and John Torchio making plays. Um, the linebackers made plays. The the defensive line made some plays. Overall, it was every level uh, that that made a good play. Uh, Caesar Williams made a nice play at cornerback. So, the group as a whole looked pretty sharp. You could tell they had the energy. They were loud. They were active. So, what was your kind of main takeaways from the defensive side of the ball? I thought this defense looked really good, um, and, and it was one practice, but from what we've heard here kind of from Paul Christ, from Jim Leonard, this is a group that is way more has way more depth than they did last year, and that was something that Jim Leonard brought up when, when I had the chance to talk with him afterwards was they had times last year with that outside linebacker group with the defensive line where they just didn't have guys that they could rotate in because of, COVID, because of injuries, and because just of inexperience. This year, I you look across every level of the defense, and I think I went into it thinking the defensive line was, wasn't going to be that far along, but I thought the defensive line looked really good. Um, and I think part of the reason we saw some injuries was because they were they were tenacious down there. They, they were doing some really good stuff. Um, Bryson Williams had probably the best practice I've seen from him. Um, Isaiah Mullins was, was stout. He played a little nose tackle as well. but James Thompson Jr., that kid's huge. Um, mm-hmm. And Rodas Johnson, he was very quick off the ball. Um, and, and, and this was all without having Keanu Benton there because he was, he was dealing with some family stuff. But, but I thought the defensive line looked really good. Um, I like how they're kind of letting those guys go and cutting them loose. Uh, I know Kalaji, Coach Kalaji had talked about that. Jim Leonard talked about that, that he really likes – this defensive line, and he thinks that there's a, they're the group that have grown the most, which I think is is important because I think you feel better about the linebackers in the secondary than you do that defensive line going into it. And that was the group that really jumped out to me because then you saw them getting after it, making some plays in the backfield. And then, I mean, Nick Herbig, man, that kid, mm-hmm. that kid was all over the place. Um, he, he was bending around the edge every time getting in there. He almost had an interception. I think he would have caught it if it wasn't for that cast he has on his wrist. Um, but really, Herbig and Noah Burks were in there. I didn't see much of Burks. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I didn't just – did you? No. No, but that was one thing that I was going to kind of mention. That was – because it's – that was – you know, you we, we did it. We split it up where I was watching a lot of the offense, but a lot of it was scrimmage, so you could kind of see which guys were making plays, which weren't, and – and Nick Herbig was definitely making an impact, and like you mentioned, that's probably be part of because the defensive line was playing really well. You know, Jim Leonard's defense, defensive line opens things up for those guys. So you would think with Herbig making plays, I know uh, another outside linebacker, Isaiah Green May, made a nice play, but Noah Burks, you really just he kind of got lost in the shuffle, wasn't really wasn't doing anything that was noticeably bad, but really wasn't making any plays. So that's interesting when you look at that room um, that has a lot of talented players and a lot of depth. Where if a guy's not cutting it. Um, you might see somebody else in there. Yeah, and I, I think that guy's going to be Spencer Lytle, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. I thought he looked really good. I mean, he he had a one-on-one against Bordellini that I that I I was like, holy crap! Like he he absolutely just shoved him to the side and blew him up. And um, at Lytle 
looked the part. He did really good. He also was in there on multiple plays in the backfield. Him and C.J. Gatz were the twos most of the time. Daryl Peterson was running with the threes. Um, and, yeah, I know Isaiah Green may had a nice play, like you mentioned, um, but, but it's hard. he made that, and, and he definitely made everybody hear that he made that play. <laughs> but um, when he did it, it was, it was after you saw um, Logan Brown and Tanner Bordelady go down, and it was with the third team defense. So I was, I was, it was hard for me to be like, oh my gosh, wow. Um, you know, whereas Vital, Gats, and Herbig were going up against, you know, the top groups. And so I thought, I thought that Herbig and Spencer Vital looked the best out of, out of anybody out there. I'm excited for whenever Aaron Wick gets back. I, I think he brings something different with his size. Um, CJ Getz, it was good to see him out there, but I thought Daryl Peterson looked good too. Did you did you think the same thing? I mean, he was out there quite a bit in with that third group, um, and you know he he moves really well for his size and better than I thought he was. Definitely more of a bull rush guy at this point. You know, you didn't see a lot of moves from him, but but I did think that he held his own. You know, kind of setting the edge and getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I thought he looked good too. Um, I think he was sharp for. I think the smoothness was something that you mentioned. You know, he's not necessarily. You didn't think um, for how big he is. You know that he would. Um, you know, be a player that that's really moving well, and and he looked pretty good. So I think overall that that entire outside linebacker group is fascinating because you've got guys that um, are are pushing for reps, and there's a lot of talent in that room. So if a guy like him is making an impact. I think you have to if he if he makes reps and and like that, I think you've got to find a way to at least get him in some sort of rotation. It's gonna be hard to take a guy like like Nick Herbig off the field with the plays that he was making, but some of these other guys that we've mentioned here are are certainly guys that are are making a push and, and are going to be contending for reps in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, the the other guy like at least in that right line, I'll say two guys in the linebacker room also kind of jumped out to me. Um, and, you know, one of our questions was, can Muma Jongmeta stay healthy, and does he kind of take over, set himself up for a starting spot in 2022? And I, I honestly think that there's a couple guys that are in front of him now or kind mm-hmm. of in contention for that, and and those guys were Jordan Turner. I thought he looked really good. Um, he, he shot a couple gaps and made some nice plays in red zone um, scrimmage, and then the other guy was Jake Ratzloff, and Paul Crisp mentioned him, talked a little bit about him, in his press conference when he was questioned about it, just because he's a really good athlete, he nearly had an interception as well, dropping into coverage. Um, and, and it was just kind of, he almost had a one-handed catch. And so I, I think that he was a player, definitely needs to add some weight, but I, I liked what I saw from those guys. Um, what did what did you make of the, the cornerbacks? Because I thought they looked pretty solid all day. Yeah, I think, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Caesar Williams made a really nice play. He seems to be, you know, moving pretty well. Um, the other guys, Alexander Smith, that were in there um, looked pretty good. Fayon Hicks really didn't get thrown at a, a whole lot, but he, he looked – I think all of them looked really sharp. Um, secondary as a whole, I mean, Colin Wilder at the safety position was very vocal and active. Scott Nelson made a lot of couple – you know, a couple plays. And then John Torchio, they, everybody – if there's one guy that it seems like everybody's talking about, uh, it's him that way. So um, overall, I think the entire secondary looked solid. Caesar Williams you know, was making plays, being a, a vocal leader of the defense. So I'm excited for that group um, as well. So we, when we've talked about it so much this offseason, that third cornerback spot is, is seeming to be the, the one that everybody's got their eye on. Again, it seemed like a two-team race um, or a two-player race 
um, with Smith and Ingram that way, and we, we saw a good amount of, of each of those guys. But even some of the secondary uh, cornerbacks looked okay, and you know, in, in limited time, some of the younger guys like Ricardo Hallman, um, I don't know if that was in scrimmage or in in, um, in their drills, but he made a nice play in a drill. Um, yeah, so I think that was o- a one-on-one. That he yeah, had a nice overall, play. I think some of that um, younger secondary group uh, looked um, – Looked solid, and I think you, you, when you had so much scrimmaging, you, you kind of focus on the top guys, but some of the younger guys look like they're developing pretty well as well. Yeah, another younger guy, um, Amon Williams, the walk-on mm-hmm. kid from Milwaukee, I thought he looked good. Um, he, he played a lot. You know, you, you, you saw him more than you saw some of the other guys. Um, Max Lofi had an interception in a one-on-one off Danny Vandenboom. Um, I, I thought between Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram, I, I think I liked at least – in the limited action, one practice, who knows here, um, that I, I thought that Alexander Smith had the better day. Um, yeah. Dean Ingram was the one who got beat by, by Pryor on that deep deep one. Um, Smith was was consistently the guy that they brought in when they went to nickel. You'd hear him yell nickel, and Smith would run in. Hicks would fly into the slot then. Um, and and uh, we, we saw a little bit of Dante Burton, a little bit of Dean, uh, not Dean Ingram, but uh, Samar Melvin as well in there. But, yeah, Amon Williams I thought was, was a kid that looked good. But, yeah, I, overall the, the player that, that turned the most heads was John Torchio. That, that kid was playing very fast. Um, I asked Jim Leonard after practice specifically about him because uh, he, was, he was a kid that you looked and he was making plays every time he was out there. And he said that that's something he's always had. It was just about being consistent and that now you're looking at him and, and that he's doing that. So I, I would not be shocked if he pushes Colin Wilder for playing time or if they rotate in the two of them or if they, they get creative there. Because I, you look at him, he's constantly making plays. Supposedly had another interception today. Um, and he had a pair of deflected passes. One of them, it was like a diving play. The other one was a would-be pick six where he just completely read Chase Wolf. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that um, can, can definitely do some good stuff and will help them out a lot. Uh, I just remember him in 2019, remember us talking about him and, and having a nice game, uh, filling in both during the Michigan and Northwestern games. And then Travion Blaylock, I thought he was a kid who, who moved really well at that safety spot. Um, and then Hunter Wohler, I, I think he's going to play this year. He's another guy that, that Leonard talked uh, a decent amount about and who also made some nice plays um, and was – on the first team of a couple special teams units. So I think that's usually indicative of the fact that he's going to see the field this season. Yeah, I think overall it was a, a really strong day for the defense, like we've already kind of mentioned. But every level, I think, had guys that, that really stood out, showed that they've got some serious depth there. I mean, you just named five safeties that are pretty talented that are all going to be pushing for, for two or three spots. Same thing at cornerback. Um Linebacker, you've got the same thing. Some younger guys maybe you know turn some heads, but even the the main two in Chanel looked really good, and then the defensive line looked really impressive with Keanu Benton not even there because of some family stuff, like you've said. So overall, it was a great def- uh, great day for the defense, uh, and a little bit rough day for the offense, but uh, we'll we'll see how that maybe changes. I know you'll be at practice on Saturday, see if anything will uh, maybe pick up. So I was just thinking about this. So looking at this defense. How good do you think they're going to be? Because, like, I looked at it, and having been to – I went to, like, every practice in 2019, and this was one. So I'm excited to see what this group looks like on Saturday. But the way that they had – the amount of depth that they had and the way they were flying around, 
specifically the physicality up front in the front seven, I thought this defense was better than what we saw in 20, 2019. And, and, and we'll see if they can replicate that because I don't know if they have a guy on the opposite side that is as you – know, I think Herbig will be very good, but I, I just am interested to see what else they have if Noah Burks can, can muster up a little bit more um, playmaking ability. But, but I think this group, just the physicality and depth, if they can stay healthy, could, could be even better than 2019. Oh, yeah. I, I would think so. I mean, you've got a, a lot of these guys back um, from from a good unit last year. The the pressure, the, the physicality up front, I think, really helped make you feel good because I think that was the one knock last year was that this is a really good unit, but the pressure wasn't quite there. The turnovers weren't quite there. That's the one thing that they were kind of missing. If you're getting that type of push from the defensive line, which was, you know, that was the one spot, I think, coming into spring and, and now into fall, you were thinking, okay, that's the spot to keep an eye on because maybe they don't have as much there. You know, you've got guys that you've heard name, you've heard their names for a while, but haven't gotten a ton of full-on starter minutes and, and reps that way. So if they're getting the push and opening things up for the linebackers and the linebackers are making plays like that, whoever's out there, I think this group is going to be dangerous because you felt really good about what you had in the secondary. But uh, if you're getting that pass rush and, and causing issues and havoc and problems, I think this defense certainly has a chance to be um, better than they were a year ago for sure. Before we wrap up, the, the other thing was, was kicking. Yeah. That <laughs> you didn't was... see any punts, uh, but kicking, Nate Van Zelst was the only guy we saw, um, and he's a true freshman, but it wasn't pretty. So <laughs> what do we make of this? Yeah, that was – I wish we would have seen a little bit more from, from anyone. I, I think, again, like we said, we don't – it doesn't really care. I don't really care who who's the one kicking it if it's going through the uprights. Unfortunately, that was not the case um, with Van Zels. I know we both had to kind of look at our roster a little bit to see who it was to, to, to match it up with the numbers that way. So it, it's a young, you know, third, fourth straight kicker that way, but uh, certainly a guy that – Either way, you want to see people putting through the uprights. Didn't see um, you know, anybody kicking off or, or punting that way. They were using the, some sort of machine to, to send it off that way. So I think that was the other thing that was maybe a little bit concerned. Hopefully we can see a little bit more. from. Hopefully you can see some more from special teams because uh, in the very, very limited time that we saw in, in the limited reps, it, it was not pretty. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I just I saw the number nine like immediately, and I was mm-hmm. like, because it was he, – he, you know, for just background, Benzel kicks number with number 29, smaller guy, similar to Colin Lars. And and then I noticed that uh, nope, that was not Colin Lars. Um, and and it was it was not great. I'm I think it'll be Jack Van Dyke, but at the same time, we haven't seen it, right? Like and and I, it doesn't sound like that anybody's really pulled away and, and been consistent. So I, I think right now the health of the offensive line. And consistency at quarterback and then a kicker are, are your major question marks. I, I feel a little bit better. I would say of those three, I'm least worried about quarterback. Um, and, and I'm not super worried about line yet because they, uh, they've got a couple, you know, upperclassmen who are banged up, but I think they'll be back soon. But kicker is definitely something worrisome, at least in, at least in my book. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Those are going to be the things to, to keep an eye on. So if you're looking for updates from practice of, of the things that you might want to pay attention to, I think those are the three right now, and hopefully the defense continues to fly around and make plays 
uh, the way they have, because if they're doing that, I think it's going to be a really fun group to watch this upcoming season. All right, guys, now we'll go ahead and kick it over to some audio with Gary Brown. I hope you guys will enjoy that. Um, and as always, on Wisconsin. Uh, I like what they're doing. I think they're getting better every day. Uh, we're not where we need to be, but we're going in the right direction. Uh, I like the way they go to work. I like the way they, they attention to detail, uh, their preparation. Uh, they're a good young group. Uh, looking forward to keep working with them. Karen, where is Braylon at at this point? Is he pushing for the third guy or fourth guy? Or where I think he's just pushing to get better. Uh, I don't like to the guy that young and you know early in camp. We don't want to slot guys. We just want to put him in and see what they can do amongst the first the team or the second team or whatever it is, uh, and expect him to go out and perform. He's, he's done well, but he's made some fresh mistakes as well, so he just needs to keep progressing. What have you seen out of Isaac so far in camp? Isaac's been really good. He's one of the veteran guys that we have. Uh, he has that tremendous burst, speed with that size. So he'll just continue to keep better, keep getting better, continue to keep working, and uh, he'll carve himself out something. He's fighting. Uh, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of running backs. We're trying to get everybody reps. Sometimes, in some days, guys get a little bit more than others. Uh, but we're trying to get do it fairly and try to get him as much looks as we can, as, as well as everybody else. So uh, it's just very difficult with 10 tailbacks. It's hard. So we're going to do the best we can and, and make a fair assessment. Well, you know, we have rep counters every day, and we try to balance it out by the end of the week. At the end of the week, we look at it, and we hope that the guys are somewhere close to being fair. So... Uh, if they're not, then we then we make an adjustment. And we, we try to get those more guys more reps during that week. So we've been pretty good so far, and hopefully it'll be the same thing going next week. You had said last week at media day you'd, you'd love to have one guy carry the load. Would mm-hmm. you be okay if you had a Batman and Robin? Yes. Um, maybe a little early for that. Yes, Harrison. But in general, Chess, do you feel like with their developing and potential, you know, one-two punch? Do you see that? You could you could possibly see that. Uh, you can see with a lot of the guys that we have. Uh, we haven't separated ourselves yet. Uh, the guys are still working hard, and uh, hopefully by Penn State the, the the picture gets clear and we go forward. We've got three guys kind of at that top of the beginning most of the rest. Um, how do you see them helping out in the passing game? Because all of them have had some experience in passing. I think they all are are on their way to being really good three down backs. Uh, they all have good route running skills, they all have good hands, uh, and obviously we want to make those things better, uh, but for right now they're doing pretty well, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing them progress. Anyone in particular standing out in pass protection? No, I think they're all tough. At the end of the day, my my philosophy is, you know, the hardest part is just being courage, having enough courage to stick your face in there and hit somebody. So all of them have that. Now we get the technique straightened out, we're going to be good to go, but all of them have the, the ball... <laughs> the guts to go out there and hit guys. Uh, so um, I'm really, really happy about that. Okay, when Chez gets here when he does, like in June, how, how difficult is it to learn the playbook? It's very difficult because I think he got here probably about three weeks after I got here. So we're, we're learning it together still, uh, the intricacies and little nuances. But it's been really good for him and I both to learn together. You mentioned how difficult it is with 10 running backs to, to watch guys, but what is Julius has been here for a few years mm-hmm. now. What does he need to show you in order to develop some trust and give himself a chance? I think he just needs to continue just to uh, work hard. I mean, he's a great kid. He's got to continue to work hard, make plays when the opportunity arises, 
in play or in scrimmages or in practice, and you know just see where it goes. Again, with ten tailbacks, it's really hard. So we're trying to be fair as we can. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for the Wisconsin Badgers and move forward that way. You mentioned Braylon makes the freshman mistakes, but are there still moments where you kind of go, uh, you know, wow, a, a stiff arm? Or, of course, or of course, of course. You know, you, we've all seen the things that he's done so far, uh, but there's some things that probably people don't notice that the freshman stuff that he's, he's doing, like the last play he made a mistake on. So, you know, he has, he's making freshman mistakes, which should be expected. So I'm not down on him or anything like that. Uh, we just got to get those things cleaned up by Penn State. He's 17. It's easy to forget that he's 17 years old. It's easy to forget he's 17, but he's here. Uh, he's chose to be here, so I can't treat him like a 17-year-old. We got to treat him like a big, uh, power five running back. So, you know, we got to we got to push him and make sure he understands when he goes in the game, his standard is as high as the rest of the guys. Physically, he doesn't look 17, obviously. No. But even talking to him, he seems older than that. Did you get that impression too? Yeah, or? he's a very mature guy. Okay. He's a very mature guy. Uh, he understands what he wants. And uh, I'm glad I have him in my room. What is Isaac's skill set that you think he provides? I mean, he played wide receiver in college, but or in high school. But do you see uh, the ability to do both? Yeah, I think he does. I think he has the ability to play. For me, I think he has the ability to be a, a type of matchup issue for, for, for linebackers because of his, his receiver background. Uh, and, but I still think he's a hell of a running back. So I think if we can somehow find a niche for him and use that combination of skill set, we'll be in, we'll be in good shape. I apologize if you can ask this, but how do you determine in the flow of the game who to ride, how many guys to use, things like that? I mean, well, plenty of experience. Yeah, well, you know, I've had guy, I had a lot of guys, and my philosophy is whoever's hot stays in, in the game and runs and does his thing. You know, it's not a it's not a favoritism thing, mm-hmm. but if that guy's hot, I'm I'm, ready, I'm wearing my hot hand, running run with it. So that's how I go. Whether it's Jalen or Chez or whoever it is. I'm running with that hot hand. How did you, from what you've seen so far on Jalen and Chez as pass receivers, what do you expect from them in the offense? I I expect them to to be very viable options in the passing. They both have the skill set to be good at that, and I expect that. So we've got to continue to work to get them to where we need them to be because the standard is the standard and what we what we do in the running back room. So, you know, they're not there yet, but they're going to get there. Where is Jalen at, at at this point? What are the things that, that stand out about what he, he can provide? I think Jalen, you know, he's a smooth, sneaky, powerful runner uh, that has a skill set that a lot of guys don't have. I think he's he can absorb contact and continue to move forward. He's a little bit stronger than people give him credit. He did a really good job in the weight room this offseason. So, uh, and his speed is uh, a little bit under underestimated. So I think if we can get him going, you know, we, we're going to have a really, really good weapon. This offense, you know, historically has a guy who can get 20, 25 carries a game and o- over the course of four quarters just wear a defense down. Mm-hmm. Do you have that guy right now, or is that a skill set you need to develop with, with somebody well, else? Well, you know, it's, it's early to say because Jalen's a young guy. He's only had 60 carries in his career. Uh, Chez has only had a few in his career. Jalen hasn't had any, or Braylon hasn't had any. Somebody, uh, it's just a young room, so it's hard for me to say that. Uh, so I'm not going to put that on anybody right now. Hopefully we can develop one of those guys. No problem, guys. Take it easy.